Hello, my name's Anthony, and this is my podcast, Theologizing Life, where we talk about how what we think about God shapes the lives we live. Well, welcome to Theologizing Life. Uh, today, I have uh, with me Nicholas Hines, and um, it is December, and we're going to talk about just uh, what it looks like to have intimacy with God, um, which I think is appropriate to talk about in December as um, I always reflect on uh, the incarnation and just that expression of God wanting to have uh, a relationship with us and revealing himself in that way. Before we dive into some questions that I have uh, for for Nicholas, um, could you just tell us uh, a little bit about yourself? Um, Help us, uh, any listeners, to get to know you a little bit. Um, and, and maybe tell us a little bit of your story uh, in terms of uh, your relationship with God and then um, what your ministry that you're a part of looks like. So, yeah, yeah. introduce us to Nicholas. Absolutely. Thanks, man. Uh, thanks. I'm really happy to really happy to be here and chat with you, man. And, uh, yeah, um, thanks for the opportunity, Anthony. Um, so, yes, I uh, – my name is Nicholas. Um, I work with a ministry, a ministry called Forge. So we're actually an interdenominational parachurch ministry. And uh, we um, so we empower and support um, churches and other ministry organizations throughout the world. We come alongside local churches and other ministries, and we basically um, answer the question of like, how can we support you? How can we help you? Um, we care about raising up kingdom laborers um, throughout the entire world, um, and so really multiplying kingdom laborers, and uh, and um, uh, basically. Uh, we provide speakers and equipping training programs, discipleship programs, and then also um, actually physical, tangible resources that we can put in people's hands. Um, we support local churches and other conferences and any other events that might need a need a speaker. We support them in that way. And um, I'm really happy to be here. I love talking about intimacy with God. If there was one thing I could talk about, and, and I only had to choose one thing, it would be intimacy with God. Um, I am very passionate about that as a speaker. And uh, exceptionally passionate about that, um, about empowering people to be really connected to the Lord. Um, oh wait, I'm supposed to talk about myself too. Yeah, I, yeah. Uh, tell uh, us about yeah. your story. Um, well, uh, I have an amazing wife. Her name is Megan, and then I have two children, Ariella and Luke. So I've got a three-year-old and a nine-month-old now. So life is ooh, very full. So, um, <laughs> uh, but uh, we're making it. I. Uh, for a long time, um, was actually really, really confused and, and not really sure what to do calling wise. Um, and I, I mean, daily, I'm always listening to the Lord about that. It's not like I have that completely figured out, but, um, something really significant changed. Um, once I started, uh, as a firebrand speaker with Forge, um, that that was really a, a really full expression of how God's wired me, who he's made me to be. Um, and so um, for a long time, I felt really called to the ministry and felt was, but didn't know what that looked like and tried, tried doing some local church uh, pastorship stuff, which was wonderful, but also didn't feel like as good of a fit. And um, yeah, we're just ended up with forge and things have been really, really wonderful here. Um, Nicholas, did you grow up um, kind of in the church, or did you come to faith later? Um, yeah, I uh, I began a relationship with Jesus when I was around five or six. It was in my children's church in the summer, 
And uh, I remember praying with my pastor, Carolyn, um, to accept Jesus into my heart. It was the first time I remember uh, knowing what sin was. That was my first mm-hmm. time understanding that. It was, it was, uh, um, I remember her preaching, you know, she preached from the front. It was very different from today's children's church. But I remember her preaching to us. And I was like, oh my gosh, I rebel. Like, I do not listen to my parents. <laughs> and that was the first time I recognized my need for Jesus and, and to be in relationship with him. And so, yeah. Well, um, as you kind of mentioned, one of the things you love to talk about, and I've heard uh, you just talk about in different times where where we've interacted, um, uh, Nick, I could share it. Like Nicholas's wife and my wife uh, are friends from college. And so we've um, our families have have hung out on a couple different occasions, but as you mentioned, I've heard you talk about intimacy with God. Um, could you tell us a little bit of like what do you mean uh, by intimacy with God? Could you describe uh, what you mean by that? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, in regards to intimacy with God, what I mean by that is really um, the intentional cultivation of depth in relationship. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, for example, like I'm in a relationship with my wife and I have been married to her since 2014, but it, uh, in, unless I intentionally move into connection with her, I'm actually just, you know, there's no neutral ground in relationship. You're either moving into connection with someone or you're moving away, you know? Yeah. Um, and, uh, um, unless I take intentional time and effort to move into connection with her, um, the relationship can grow stale and it can, it can grow dry. And so, um, intimacy with God just really refers to, um, us taking that intentional, intentional time. It's, it's not just devotions. It's actually much bigger than that, but it's, it's intentionality around us cultivating depth with him. Um, and intimacy with God too, it's the source from where everything flows. Um, everything that we do flows with our intimacy with God. Um, you know, Jesus, that was the greatest gift that he offered the world, um, was uh, like his access to the Father. He gave us connection to God. Yeah. He gave us connection to Father God, um, and he allowed us to be intimate with him. And um, it is the greatest thing that we get to offer to people, you know, regardless of gifts or talents or passions. You know, you might be really good at, you know, your job. Um which is amazing. Those are all great things to be excellent at those things. But above and beyond that, the greatest thing you'll offer someone when you're in relationship with them is intimacy, is your intimacy with God. Cause the more intimate with you that the more intimate you are, the more he's going to show up when you show up places. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'll stop there. Yeah, that's I good. get pretty passionate about that. I'm a speaker and a preacher. And so sometimes I can get long winded. So <laughs> no, 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 it's okay. Uh, the, you, uh, you touched on something that the preacher and me, like, uh, about Jesus offering that. And I think it's John 17, three in Jesus's prayer. He says, um, and this is eternal life that they know, um, you and the one you have sent. Yeah. And the word, uh, know there is often a word used in reference to like intimacy between a husband and wife. And so, yeah. Yeah. um, eternal life is knowing, uh, God. Yeah, it's good. But so, Sometimes I feel like the word intimacy, uh, maybe it's our culture, maybe it's just the English language, English language, um, but it can connotation of like uh, romance or um, 
maybe not be the most masculine term. And so maybe some listeners maybe struggle with like, uh, maybe some men even struggle with having intimacy with God, uh, that idea. Or I think sometimes even in my life, I struggle with this, like, um, super spiritual people, (laughs) you know, have (laughs) intimacy with God. Um, and it's, could you sort of, um, maybe speak to some of the fears or misconceptions that sometimes maybe you've encountered even in your ministry, uh, that people bring into this conversation about intentionally cultivating depth with God? Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah. So like one of the things that, um, I remember the first time I was doing a teaching on this with, um, my wife and some of the students that were under, that she was supervising, um, back in South Carolina. And I remember this, you know, really amazing, uh, young woman raised her hand and she said, wait, 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 I'm really confused. Do you mean like sex with God? You said intimacy, (laughs) you know? And I, I had to explain to her like, no, 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 no. yeah, exactly. I was like, no, 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 I'm not talking about having sex with God. Um, and, uh, I think that sometimes that's a really good representation of what many people, when they see the word intimacy, sometimes it can, you know, but it it can kind of have that connotation. Um, but more, it's not, it's not that with the Lord, you're not having sex with God. You're, you're really being intimate with, you know, the word intimacy literally means into me, I see, you know? Um, and so you get, it's allowing the Lord um, full access to you and you giving full access to him. Um, and so a lot of people too, to kind of get into a little bit more practical or specifics, a lot of people just confuse intimacy with God with just doing your devotions each day. Um, and, uh, like, well, I'm just going to spend 15 minutes, you know, I'm going to do my 15 minutes with him, which that is, that is cultivating intimacy. Um, but it, it is, the intimacy with God is a lot more about the courage and the bravery it takes to really bear your soul before the Lord um, and to allow yourself to be molded and forged by him um, and shaped by him. Um, I think um, uh, a lot of people also confuse intimacy with God with church um, mm-hmm. or going yeah. to church or or doing the things, doing the stuff. Um but uh, intimacy with God is a lot more about um, having a, an experiential relationship with him. You know, like there's and you mentioned this already. There's a, there's a couple different types of, you know, uh, words to describe knowing someone, you know, uh, um, that we see in the Greek in the New Testament. You know, some of them are, you know, for example, that John seventeen three you mentioned earlier. We know that 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 word in the Greek refers to this really experiential concept you know um i know what my daughter i know when my daughter has been held my daughter's a nine month old i know when she's been held by another woman because she doesn't smell like my wife anymore or she doesn't smell like me anymore um and uh and that is experiential knowledge that kind of intimate knowledge of you know i know what it looks like when your hair when my little daughter's hair is you know she's got like no hair on her head she's nine months old she has (laughs) nothing but i know what it looks like when someone has run run their fingers backwards through her hair and sort of stuck her hair up whereas someone who was not her parent would never notice that because it is the smallest little minutia of hair you know um that is experiential knowledge where there's another type of knowledge referenced in the in the New Testament. It's more of like a head knowledge or mm-hmm. or uh, a content knowledge. You know, it, it might be like the equivalent of me saying, um, "I know Tom Hanks." You know, I've never actually met Tom Hanks. I've never done anything with him. I could read his Wikipedia article and tell you, you know, how many 
Oscars he's won and what movies he's been in. And I could list off some 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 facts about him, but I've never actually experientially interacted with Tom Hanks. Intimacy with God is all about that experiential interaction um, and uh, us experiencing the Lord, ex- having an experience with him. You know, when I look back on my relationship with anybody. Much of the relationship that I developed either with you, Anthony, or with Megan or with anyone, we've had shared experiences together. We've done things together. Um, and intimacy with God is a lot about having a, sh- a shared experience with him. So how how can we sort of cultivate those shared experiences sort of beyond those staple devotional things like reading a devotional reading scripture or even praying? Those are sort of the like mm-hmm. the go to or going to church. Um, and and what are some things you found helpful in cultivating that connection? Um, because I think sometimes uh, it can feel like because we can't see, uh, because we can't actually sit down in a room with with this physical manifestation of God, um, or even like you and I, I'm, I'm, we're skyping and, and on video, I can see you and things like. What are some things that have allowed you to connect with God? Um, how, how could we make this? And I, I want to say. Um, anything we share, it's not like a, it's not like a formula. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, sometimes examples for how mm-hmm. to make this practical for people. Um, yeah. So yeah, what are some things we can do to facilitate that connection mm-hmm. uh, with God? Do you have any yeah. advice? Yeah. So one of them is a couple of them are really practical, and then I'll, the first thing I'll say before I get to some real practical stuff is like this concept of of heart posture. Um, and, um, the, the first thing that comes to my mind is when you connect with the Lord, we, there's a really particular reason that Jesus said we need to become like children of God. You know, uh, we need to become like little children and um, that the kingdom of heaven belongs to little children. And, uh, um, I think one of the reasons he said that is because when you look at a child, a child is constantly learning and growing and changing. Like they are, they are growing. The the rate of growth is insane with a child, you know. Yeah. Or even when you look at, um, when you look at uh, of a human being at a, at a at a molecular level right after conception, you know, if they can, if we continued as human beings to grow at that rate, um, the the amount of cellular growth and the amount like the the rapidness of growth we would be like 4,000 pounds by the time we were 18, you know, um, if we continue <laughs> to grow at that rate. And even when you look at, you know, you look at um, children and how fast they grow. But that, and so, and part of part of that heart posture of being a child of God and stepping into intimacy as a child is really a willingness to con- continue to learn and grow and change at that same rate that you had as, you know, when you were, when you first begin a relationship with him, you know, uh, when relationships first start, there's so much learning and so much growth because everything is new. Um, and one of the ways that you can practically, um, experience deeper intimacy with God is to continue to put yourself in new situations with him, um, do new things with him and be willing to get messy and really be rocked out of your comfort zone. Um, and what that does is it builds this muscle of flexibility and growth and humility that is all, all too important in our relationship with God and our intimacy with God. We have to be willing to just do new stuff, um, and to do new things with him. Um, 
And so for like somebody, like maybe in your personal quiet time with him, you go ahead and you dance before the Lord, you know? Um, you know, Psalms tells us to dance before the Lord. That's a command. That's not this optional personality thing of like, oh, well, I'm not really a person who dances. Like, no, Psalms is really clear on that. Like when we look at the, 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 the verbs and the, the commands, like that's really clear, like do new things of the Lord, dance before the Lord, you know? So maybe it's dancing or maybe, you know, um, maybe it's really new for you to read an entire book of the Bible in one sitting, you know? Um, or one thing I was challenged to do by another person is, uh, I was in Denver a couple months ago and he challenged me to preach on the street, you know? So <laughs> standing in front of all these strangers outside of this restaurant, preaching on this street corner, never before I had done that in my life. Um, but man, because of that newness, because of the messiness and the like, oh, here we go. I'm jumping out of the airplane. Like, let's do this, God. Because of that moment, I just, I grew my faith like crazy and had these really awesome, um, this really awesome moment with Jesus, you know? Um, and so how, how did that go, things. by the way? Uh, it went, it, <laughs> it went good. I didn't get cussed out or had food thrown at me or anything. So I was worried about that. That was the first time I did that. Um, it now, went did really, you, really did you well. have like a, an outline that you had kind of pre-planned or did you like extemporaneously just, no, uh, it was very extemporaneous. So I, <laughs> I was actually challenged by one of my colleagues. He's like, Hey, I did this on an airplane. You should do this on the street. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> so I was like, okay, okay let me, Let's see here. All right. Uh, you know, let me just sit down and pray about this for a moment. So it took a couple of moments to pray. And then uh, I was just asking the Lord, like, hey, Holy Spirit, like, I really want to make sure, God, that this is what you're leading me to do. You know, I don't want to just do it under my own. Like, is this what you're about, God? And really felt just this peace in my spirit of like, yes, yeah, this is what I'm about. And so we found this like burger joint, you know, with an outside outside area you know so that was right alongside the sidewalk it's in these downtown areas i'm sure you know if you're listening you've seen a restaurant like that with sort of an outside terrace kind of thing and so i just uh stood up and i said hey i uh used to struggle with anxiety for a long time in my life um i don't struggle with anxiety anymore because jesus uh healed me of that he took all my anxiety away and uh he loves you, and he wants to be in relationship with you. He died for you on a cross. He rose from the dead three days later, and he forgives you for every single one of your sins. And sin is all the bad stuff that we do in life. Um, and uh, Jesus wants you to know that he forgives you of all that. He wants to be in relationship with you. He wants to be in connection with you. He's pursuing you, and he loves you. And then I said, like, I'm going to be sitting over on this bench you know, about 20 feet away. I'm going to be sitting there for the next five minutes. If any of you want to come and chat with me about this, I welcome you to come and sit down with me. So everyone listened, which was really nice. That was basically <laughs> what I said. It was about a two minute thing and everyone listened and, uh, 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 they were respectful, which was nice. Um, and then I, uh, was, I sat there, no one came up and spoke to me. Um, but it was still really cool just to preach the word of God and to say, this is the truth, you know, um, this is what God thinks and he loves you. And, uh, um, uh, that new experience though, man, you, you, you talk about like these heart pounding experiences, you know, um, yeah. you know, that's the thing about, you know, you watch any, any, uh, you know, romantic comedy or romance movie or, you know, something like that. There are these moments where 
where for the for the sake of love, men and women will just do these crazy things because they're so passionate about the one that they love. Yeah. And uh, um, and it's that passion that pushes them out of their comfort zone, pushes them to, to do things they wouldn't normally do. Um, and in that, they, they grow so close to the person they're pursuing. Um, and so to take it back to your original question, do new things with God. Um, what is something you have not done um, in your intimacy with the Lord um, and in your devotions or your time with him? What is something you have not done um, ever in your life that you can do with him? Yeah. So I think that's really great uh, advice. And I think like in relationship with people, like you said, shared experiences and some of my best memories are doing new things and doing them with my wife. Like some mm -hmm. of our, our, our best memories are things we experience together, but then there's also the day to day. Um, and, and sometimes the day to day mon mon uh, mundane task and things and having to love my wife, uh, in, in the, just the regular day-to-day -day stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and with that, there are times where we get a babysitter and have a date night and we sort of have like a couple staple things we'll do. Mm -hmm. uh, we often like to go have a meal together without the kids. Um, and uh, when it's not COVID time, we also like to see movies without the kids. Yeah. Um, are there a couple things that are sort of like can help sustain that stay-at-home mom or um, that, that Jesus follower who works sometimes um, 10 hours a day uh, yeah. in, in a factory. What are some things that they can do um, uh, and, and to just facilitate from a day-to-day -day, um, the relationship with God and experience and cultivate that, that depth with God? Yeah, absolutely. I get that. So I'm a, I'm a big uh, – I, I work from home, and so I'm with my, with my kids a mm -hmm. lot. And so I, this has been a question I've been trying to figure out since I had kids, you know, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. for me, one of the things that I've, a rhythm I've fallen into is, um, actually memorizing scripture, um, mm. and, uh, really like making sure the sword of the spirit that I have in my armor of God is really, really sharp. Um, and, uh, making sure I have just, uh, scripture memorized or very readily at hand when things come up in life. Um, do you have like flashcards or? Ha I actually have uh, an app on my phone. Um, it's it's like a cheap free app. It's just called Bible Verses, um, and it's actually helped me organize. It's helped me sort of. You can organize it in like folders by like different types of verses. So I have verses for like comfort, verses for like spiritual warfare, you know, verses yeah. for like a gospel presentation. If I had to share the gospel with someone on the street, you know, in two minutes. I could rattle off the word of the Lord and share my testimony, you know? And so, um, uh, I've got like, I memorize it. And what I realized was that, you know, in regards to like, I don't have any time, all these, all these things pop into my mind. I realized I actually did have a lot of time if I just reorganized my time. Mm. Um, and so I actually took off Instagram off my phone. I took Facebook off my phone and realized that a lot of times I was spending just these little spare moments of one minute or two minutes, you know, um, whether it's waiting for someone or standing in line or, you know, even going to the bathroom, you know, like I'm not going to jump on Instagram or Facebook. I'm going to like 
take 10 seconds to look at the scripture verse, you know? And sometimes it's 10 seconds at a time, man, or one minute at a time, but one minute at a time, 10 times a day, you know, you think about how many times you pick up your phone when you're trying to kill yeah. time, you know, that adds up a lot. Yeah, and so you sure. can do that. Um, uh, you can also, uh, really intentionally worship, um, wherever that might be. Um, you can do that really intentionally, um, or set calendar. I set calendar invites on my phone, uh, to pray for people. Um, so yeah, at 12, 12, 15 every day, I pray for my sister, um, and I pray for other people and yeah. So things like that. Yeah. That's a great idea to, to like use your calendar on your phone for, for that time with God. Um, I, I know someone who works, um, kind of in a factory setting and, and, and at his job, he's allowed to wear headphones and, um, he'll listen to audio books and, um, sometimes even listen to scripture. And, um, I think that's a great, uh, great idea. Um, listening to sermons on podcast or worship music. Um, I recently used the, uh, version Bible app and went through a, a devotional yeah. on there. Um, I, I usually just have a, a different rhythm for my, uh, devotional time that I do, but, um, I, I really found a devotional plan or reading plan on there. I like, so, um, yeah, I think that's, uh, that's great advice though. Um, what sort of things, uh, I think you kind of talked about some just now like distractions or, or things, but what, what sort of things can hinder our closeness uh with god yeah the first thing that comes to mind is really lies that we believe about god or about mm. ourselves um you know when we take a look at james james chapter one talks about us falling into sin and one of the first things that happens before we even you know fall into sin and then sin leads to death um is like we fall into believing lies mm. um and uh um also, you see in like, for example, like Second Corinthians ten verses three through five talks about like the spiritual warfare weapons that we have, um, and the purpose of the spiritual warfare weapons that we have are, according to verse five, to tear down every lofty thought and argument that raises itself up against the knowledge of Christ, mm-hmm. um, and we take captive every thought. Um, that's what those spiritual warfare weapons do um, that we fight with. Um, it's all a battle of the mind. It's the battle of, of the truth about who God is and about who we are, the identity that we have been given. Um, and so uh, um, I think the biggest thing that hinders is really lies that, that come against Christ and who we are in Christ as, our, as sons and daughters and who God is. Um, you know, sometimes people in our lives will sort of, they... Um, they will have an influence on what we think about Father God or the Holy Spirit or Jesus. Um, and they'll, they will, you know, have an influence because of their parental authority or because of their, just their, you know, spiritual authority in our lives or, you know, their position in our lives. Sometimes people will accidentally, uh, reflect, um, who we think God is, you know, just mm-hmm. because that's what we grow up with yep. thinking. Um, and so that is, I think the biggest thing that gets in the way of our closeness with God, I think one of the greatest things we can do is really tear down those lies, um, that, that get in the way of our lives. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. 
uh, it's interesting. I uh, I wish I could remember more specifically, uh, but there was um, a, a show Emily and I was watching um, recently and a, a TV series. I don't even remember which one now, but there's an episode and one of the characters um, was uh, like just struggling with something about their identity and what they believed about their potential. And they, they referenced something about uh, something either their parent said or a teacher, like some sort of authority figure. And mm-hmm. it's this totally secular TV show, right? But um, within it, it sort of acknowledges that sometimes these lies uh, spoken over our lives shape the way we view our potential yeah. um, and, and the way we view or see how God can use us. And uh, it's just interesting that that concept is even um, there uh, in in this secular TV show. Um, it, it's almost as if we know uh, that there are lies about who we are uh, that can hinder um, our destinies and what God wants to do through us. Like, and they maybe wouldn't say it that way. Maybe not connect it to God, but like uh, that's that seems to be what's happening there. So, like, maybe in your ministry, um, your experience with people. What's the number one lie you have found uh, people believe about God? And then what's the truth? And then what's maybe the number one lie people tend to believe about themselves and what is actually true? Mm, that's good. Oh, um, hmm, that's a great question. I think about our... So my wife and I, we, we actually run a prayer ministry in our local church, and so we pray with a lot of different people. Um, we'll have these, like, two-hour prayer sessions with them. And one of the consistent things that comes up that we see a lot um, in those prayer sessions and then sort of outside, just in doing relationship with people and mentor, mentoring and, 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 and counseling and just sitting with people in, in their stuff is... Uh, there's a, I think one of the biggest lies is, is this, uh, this emphasis on our, on our pre, um, our pre, our, our, our state of being and our identity before we encounter a love relationship with Jesus. Mm. Um, you know, when we meet Jesus, uh, you know, scripture says that we become a new creation. You know, the old has gone, the new has come. Yeah. Um, and I think sometimes there's, we sort of forget that. <laughs> I think yeah. that's a big one is that people just forget. And, and maybe it's that there's a little bit of fear of, of like, well, I can't, I can't celebrate who God made me to be too much because then I'll be prideful. You know, there's this, yeah, yeah. Like, there's this like fear of that. And so we just see a lot of really low self-worth and low self-esteem and, and a lot of people really beating themselves up and being really hard on themselves and judging themselves harder than I think God judges them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and we said, we had to remind people of like, Hey, you're a new creation. You're a Royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You're a child of God. Like, start to like remind them of the truth of who they are now, now that they met Jesus. Yeah. And I think that just for a long time, um, I think in certain, just certain parts of the church or certain people, they've sort of um, almost forgotten that a little bit or not. Um, hmm. They just kind of harp on the the terribleness and the, the sinful nature of man, you know, which yeah. 
you know, and you can get into some theology. I'm not a theologian, you know, um, but, you know, like we are created to be a new creation. You know, scripture says that, you know. Yeah. So I think that's the big one. I think people in regards to um, the biggest lie people believe about God is that he's a tricky God or that he's not good. Mm. Um, that, that God is somehow, I, I like that. Uh, I, I've not heard someone put it that way, but the, a tricky God. Yeah. Could you unpack that a little bit? What does that mean for people sometimes? Yeah. So like Matthew chapter seven, um, Jesus tells this wonderful parable about a child asking for, um, bread. And he says that, you know, his earthly father is not going to give him a stone. You know, or yeah. if he asks, asks for a fish, an earthly father is not going to give him a snake, you know. Right. Um, and then he says, uh, he says, how much more, you yeah. know, will your heavenly father um, bless you? You know, like uh, Jesus, uh, he emphasizes that if you ask for bread, you're not going to get a stone, you know. Um, and uh, God is not a tricky God. He's a good, good God. He is a good father. Um, I think that, um, yeah, I'll just, I'll just leave it there. Um, yeah, that's good. I think a lot of times people think that God's out to get them and he's not. Yeah. Um, so one of the things I think in my own life I've, I've maybe wrestled with a little bit. And, and one of the things you talked about was, um, intimacy earlier, you mentioned it means into me, I see. And so going and just bearing all of ourselves before God. Um, and then this idea of God being tricky or, or not sure about his goodness. Um, how vulnerable can we be with God? So like, let's say the circumstances in my life are threatening to shape, like maybe there's pain or suffering and it's, it's threatening to sort of shape how I view God. Um, can I go to God with my frustration? Can I go to him even with my anger um, and how, like, is there a point where it's like, well, that's, that's dancing in the, the, uh, on the line of being disrespectful or sacrilegious. Like um, what do we do when maybe say we're, we're mad at God? Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. What does that question. look like? I think, I think you, I think what we do is we fully express ourselves before the Lord. You know, if you go to the Psalms, every emotion under the sun is available <laughs> yeah. in the Psalms. You know, yeah. um, that's one of my favorite things to do is when I feel angry or sad or upset, I, I go to the Psalms and I find where my emotion that I'm feeling matches up with the expression of those words on the page in the yeah. Bible, you know? Um, and so I think you can, you can say it all, you know, say yeah. it all before the Lord. He knows what you're thinking anyways, you know. <laughs> right. um, so it's not like you can hide something from him. Perhaps in you expressing your frustration or anger at the Lord, you begin to realize yourself, whoa, this is what I feel, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I am under the uh, belief that Jesus died for every single one of our sins, um, past, present, and future, I don't think there's anything that people need to be afraid of in expressing, fully expressing themselves before the Lord. Um, I don't think God's going to strike them with lightning or anything. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I think uh, just to 
to transparently share for any listeners. Like there's um, one of the things I found someone encouraged me to do years ago, and I don't do it every day, but it's something that's helpful is I, I journal my prayers. Um, and uh, I'm often very honest in my journals. Um, and I, I've, uh, I've even cussed uh, in my prayers uh, or in those journals out of, out of frustration at different points in my life. And what I found is just like you said, um, I think God's big enough to handle it. And Psalms, many of them seem to be like David's prayer journal mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> and, and his expressing of yeah, those emotions. Absolutely. And I think, uh, I think sometimes one of the lies in the church is that we sort of have to put our Sunday best on before we go yes. into uh, yeah. our time with God. Um, but I think actually we can go into our time with God um, as as we are, as his children. Mm-hmm. And, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So um, as someone who's sort of like part of the church but has a role, a ministry role outside kind of of a, a, a local church organization, what are some things like local church leaders um, could do or talk about that you think would help uh, people understand how to connect with God um, more deeply because um, I th- like as a pastor, it's one of my um, one of my concerns sometimes is I feel like people could be really faithful to coming to church, but it sometimes seems like there's a gap between their um, commitment to the church and their experience in their relationship with God. And sometimes I wonder like, what could I do? <laughs> like as a pastor, what could I do better or or, or um, how could I help them? Do you have any advice for, for church leaders out there um, for helping people understand how to connect with God? Yeah, the first thing, a couple things come to my mind. I actually have a sermon on this. One of them is to actually really, I think there's, particularly in Western and the Western world, um, there's a pretty sharp divide between the sacred and the secular. Mm. Um, and so I think church leaders can help the sheep in their care really begin to um, connect to the Lord in more vibrant ways when we begin to break down that that divide between sacred and secular. You know, if I was to tell you which is more holy, brushing your teeth or praying for your missionary, you know, or praying mm-hmm. for your pastor or going to church, you know, very quickly, I imagine most people, you know, the first thing that pops into your mind is, oh, well, well praying or doing this or, you know, or folding the laundry, you know, that's not nearly as holy as, you know, this particular thing. But really what that is, is that's a lie from the enemy that that has tried to steal away the vibrancy and the purpose that God has brought to your life because of him redeeming you. Mm-hmm. Um, the, Satan would love nothing more than to convince us that any moment of our life is is dull or mundane yeah. um, or or purposeless, um, that any little second um, is is just sort of a lost or neutral second. You know, it doesn't really matter. Um, because, uh, um, ultimately if we're able to break down that divide between the sacred and the secular, um, then everything we do has potential to help us intimately connect with God. You know, first Corinthians three sixteen says that we are the temple of God and where the temple of God exists, where the temple of God is the presence of God is. So if you know, Jesus, um, the Holy spirit dwells inside you. Um, and, uh, God is with you. He is Emmanuel, God with us. And so, yeah. um, it, if, 
if if you really if we really begin to understand that concept of our identity as temples of the Lord, as ministers of reconciliation, then all of the moments of doing the dishes or folding the laundry or raking the leaves or standing in line at Walmart, all of a sudden all those moments become ripe with potential for talking with God, for intimacy with the Lord. Um, and I think along with that, I think um, I think. Uh, church leaders can also break down the divide between laity and clergy. You know, mm-hmm. um, I think there's a, oftentimes, you know, I think there's a, there's an emphasis or a belief. I remember feeling this and believing this for such a long time that it's for missionaries or pastors or spiritual leaders with a really big following and a really significant platform that those are the people that are specially connected to God, you know, uh, because they're in a position of leadership. But that is really false. You know, um, Jesus, Jesus did ministry in the mainstreams of life all the time. Um, yeah. Jesus had a platform and a stage, but just as much as he had a platform and stage, he met with people one on one. And the unique thing about every single one of us is we will all be places our pastors will never be able to go because we have particular influence in that that realm, you know? Um, and I'm not down in pastors, please hear. I love pastors. I love the local church. It's the way that God's going to redeem the world is, is through the, through the local church and through, um, the church, um, you know, expressing the, the body of Christ being the body of Christ. But what I'm saying is there needs to be, uh, there needs to be very intentional teaching of who we are as laborers, um, for God's kingdom, um, as people who are empowered to make disciples, who make disciples, who make disciples, um, I think church leaders really need to emphasize, um, that everyone gets to play. It's not just the, not just yeah. the leaders or the special pastors, you know? Yeah, that's good. Yeah. And I, th- I think one of the things I was just saying too, is just the imminence of like that every moment, um, God's presence is accessible, whether we're yes. praying for that missionary or doing the laundry. Um, it's almost just a new, a new lens, a new way of seeing Absolutely. the world. Yes. Um, yeah. Which I'll just be honest, I don't do very well, but I have moments where I am just, uh, you know, with my kids and I'm tempted to see it as an interruption or I'm tempted to see it as just, um, just playing. But there are moments where I just have this clarity of like, this is just a beautiful gift and God's fingerprints are all over this moment, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, one of the things, or, or part of, I, I believe, intimacy, it, it involves um, hearing, uh, hearing from God. Um, how do you hear from God? How do you discern um, His voice? Uh, what's that like for you? Um, do you have any any tips or advice or encouragement for other people who like maybe struggle with with being confident that God uh, speaks to them? Um, or that they can hear that that they could actually hear from God. Uh, could you speak to that a little bit? Yeah. Um, so the number one way that God speaks to me is through the Bible. Um, that is that is the number one way He speaks to me, just through reading the Bible. Um, that is the Word of God. Um, and uh, another way that God speaks to me, um, He I, I have a lot of dreams and I have a lot of visions in my head. You know, so Acts 2.17 talks about young men dreaming dreams and old men having visions. You know, I, I might have gotten that reversed. Um, but um, I get a lot of pictures in my head, you know, much like if I was to ask someone to picture an elephant, you know. 
um, in their head, you could picture a purple elephant in your head if I if I asked you to do that, you know. Um, I get a lot of pictures in my head, and I have a lot of dreams in the middle of the night. Um, and uh, um, uh, and I always take any any time I I feel like I'm hearing from the Lord or He's speaking to me. Um, I always compare that to the Word of God. I compare that to Scripture. Um, a lot of time, another way that God speaks to me is I have feelings in my body. Um, and uh, that's part of me using my body as a living sacrifice. You know, Romans 12, 1 says, offer your bodies as living and sacrifices, um, holy and pleasing to the Lord. Um, I, I pay attention to how my body reacts to the things that I encounter in the world. You know, much like, uh, if someone's an anxious person and they feel anxiety, I feel anxiety in my chest, you know? And the same way that I feel anxiety in my chest, I can feel the presence of God um, around me as well. Um, and, uh, um, and then I'm able to recognize, oh my gosh, God, you're saying something or you're doing something. Or it sort of tunes my like spiritual radar to like, okay, God, what are you up to? You know, what are you, what are you doing, God? Is there something I'm listening, Lord? I'm putting my listening ears on. What is it that, are you trying to say something to me? Or is there something special that you want to do here in this moment with this person or with just me or what's going on, God? Um, and so, uh, yeah, he speaks to me a lot of different ways. Um, one of my favorite things to do is to get really familiar with the word of God through scripture and the truth of God, because when we see the word of God throughout scripture, the presence of God is with it. You know, in the very beginning when the world was created in Genesis chapter one, the Holy Spirit is hovering above the waters, you know, the, and Jesus or not Jesus, God spoke the earth into existence. You know, he spoke, he used his words, um, uh, he used his words to create things and where his word is, the presence of God is so closely, so closely there. And so, um, I just read the Bible a lot and I get really familiar with what the presence of God, what the truth is like audibly in my head, you know, like what is the truth? I can memorize scripture and know what the truth is. And then I begin to recognize like, okay, what does that, um, like, uh, what is that? What does that feel like in my spirit? It's kind of hard to describe, you know, I'm not talking, I'm talking about my body a little bit, but most of the time, like, how does that like with how does that resonate with um with who i or with what i know to be true you know yeah, um yeah and uh for example like bank tellers they this might be an old illustration but the last i heard they only teach them you know banks only teach bank tellers what true money feels like they don't really learn what fake what forged money or fake money feels like because that's changing all the time but, but they teach them to know exactly what does true cash feel like in your fingertips? You know, what does it look like? What's it feel like? Um, and so I, in the same way, I, I try to get really, really familiar with this is truth. This is the word of God. Um, and this is what I know to be true from scripture. Um, and, uh, and then all of, all of those, um, uh, visions or hearing, like if you were to sing a song in your head, sometimes the Lord speaks to me that way. Like I'll hear things in my, in my head. I've never heard an audible voice. I don't think out loud. Um, uh, but, but all of those things I always compare and I put those under the umbrella of, okay, how does this line up with the word of God, with the truth of God? Um, and, uh, um, if it doesn't agree, I don't do it, you know, <laughs> um, I <laughs> yeah, don't yeah. do it. 
I also bounce the things that I hear and I feel like I'm being led to do. I bounce those things off of other people. Yeah. Um, and I say, Hey, I really feel like the Lord is leading me to do this. Like I'm feeling this prompting in my spirit to go talk to this person about Jesus or to go do this or to give money here or to, you know, to sacrifice in this way or to love my wife this particular way. And I bounce those off trusted mentors who also know the Bible. Um, and, uh, and it's just a really cool way of, of, you know, beginning to understand and recognize and, and to know the voice of God. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. that's good. Um, so there have been different times in my life where I feel like I was going through what I would maybe call a wilderness season where it seemed like, um, there wasn't springs of water, of refreshing water readily yeah. available. Um, and, and there's been times, uh, there was one time I, I remember, I think I was in high school and I was sort of angry with what was going on in my life and intentionally said like, yeah, I'm, I'm not like. I didn't intentionally rebel, but I decided I'm not going to intentionally pursue closeness with God. I just mm -hmm. wanted to sort of, I was just sort of an apathetic. So sometimes I think we can intentionally uh, head to the wilderness maybe. Yeah. Um, but there have been other times in my life where it felt like I was trying to follow God and um, I wound up in a wilderness. And, um, you know, we see in scripture, Jesus was led uh, by the Holy Spirit to the wilderness. Um mm -hmm. Uh, do you have any um, any encouragement, uh, any advice, any um, insights for how when we find if we if and when we find ourselves in, in maybe a wilderness season, um, how can we continue to to cultivate that deeper walk with God? Um, what, what what might that look like? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so uh, I. Uh... I'm sure everyone's familiar with this phrase. You know, sometimes you hear this phrase when someone breaks up with you, or maybe you've said it when you've broken up with them. And the common phrase is, it's not me, it's you. Or, mm, sorry, yeah. no. <laughs> it's not you, it's me. <laughs> That's the common yeah. phrase. You know, yeah. hey, it's not you, it's me. Um, and uh, I think that's really true, actually, in our relationship with the Lord. Um, anytime I think we're in a wilderness season or we feel disconnected from him, um, I don't think it's on the Lord. Uh, I, I think it's uh, it's up to us to find that connection again and to uh, to find that renewal and that that freshness with Him, um, because He is always talking. He's always pursuing. He's always passionate about connecting with us. He gave up His Son to be connected with us, um, and so uh, there is never any hesitation on His end. Um, to be close to us. Yes, he disciplines us um, because that's a that's a qualification for sonship is we do experience discipline. Um, but in regards to the wilderness and the disconnect, um, it's the Lord is so ready to connect with us. And so I would say if you are going through a wilderness season, you don't feel connected to the Lord, you don't feel passionate about him, um, I would encourage you uh, to intentionally turn your life to do something intentional to connect with him um, and to, to do that. Uh, for example, like um, you see this in the Bible, uh, God's people um, in, in Haggai, um, this really, they had a similar experience that we have today. They were in Babylonian captivity for 70 years. 
And by God's grace and his providence, Babylon is taken over by Assyria. And then they're released. You know, so they haven't been around the temple of God in 70 years. And if you're an Israelite and you haven't been around the temple of the Lord, chances are you also would feel very disconnected from the Lord because where the temple was, was everything. That was that was how an Israelite expressed their, that was one of the way, the huge way that they expressed relationship with the Lord. They worshiped God. You know, they, they sacrificed at the temple. Like there's so much surrounding the temple and the presence of God was in the temple, you know, like, and so, um, they are released from captivity and they go back to their land. And the first thing that God tells them to do, um, is to rebuild the temple. So first thing they're told to do. So God is aware of this disconnect. He's aware of this, um, uh, this feeling, this disconnect in the Israelite people. And the first thing they're commanded to do is to go ahead and rebuild the temple. But then they don't actually rebuild the temple. They sort of get, they get waylaid and uh, sort of lied to by the people that are there. And they actually end up building their own homes instead of their, instead of their temple. And, mm -hmm. you know, and, and uh, thankfully, Haggai shows up on the scene and he says, like, listen, you need to keep on building what you started building. Like, keep on keep on moving in. Keep on do, being about the Lord's work. And the Lord's work is for you to know him and be connected to him, you know. Yeah. Um, and uh, um, that is the Lord's work, you know. And so um, I would encourage you in the same way, much like the Israelite people did when they came out of. Um, captivity um, for you to build, continue building what you need to build. Um, mm -hmm. Continue to move into connection with him, do new things with him and make an intentional step towards connection with the Lord. Even if it doesn't feel really good, you know, another interesting part about the story is as God's people, the Israelites started to rebuild this temple, the older people in the book of Haggai, they looked actually at the temple that they were building and they, all they could do was remember the old temple, you know? Mm -hmm. And in the same way, I think a lot of times when we feel disconnected from the Lord, just like those old people in the book of Haggai, we look back to what our relationship with God used to be. And, uh, we just feel disappointed because we're like, man, I remember when I felt close to him. I remember when things were good. I remember when we were rocking it and I felt, you know, so free in the Lord and close to him and connected. Um, but there's this really cool response. So all these people in the book of Haggai are looking at the new temple. They're so sad because all they can think about is the way the temple used to be. And Haggai gives us incredible word of Jesus. He gives us incredible prophecy of Jesus coming to meet them, coming to shake every, like everything that can be shaken will be shaken Jesus is going to show up on the scene, you know, years from now, and he is going to make a huge impact. And so um, to the people who have felt far away, um, Haggai says, don't be discouraged. Jesus is coming. You know, I'm, I'm kind of paraphrasing a little bit. Um, but uh, that's what I would tell you is if you're trying to connect with the Lord um, and you feel far from him, take intentional steps to connect with him. Do something new with him. And see what happens, um, knowing that the promise of Jesus is that he will connect with you. You know, James 4, 8 says that if we can, if we move towards the Lord, you know, he will move towards us. Um, so I, I wouldn't, I would encourage 
people who are in a wilderness season with that. Yeah, that's good. I think, um, yeah, I think I agree. Uh, a lot of times it is, uh, it, it's, uh, it's not you, it's me. You know, I think a lot of times it's not God, it's us. Um, I think there are times where life, um, takes at least our emotions or our circumstantial experiences through a wilderness. And sometimes, um, we can make that mistake. It doesn't necessarily mean we've done anything wrong or sinful yeah. mm-hmm. to distance ourselves from God. Yeah. Um, but the, the advice I think if we find ourselves there is, is to not look back, um, that our faith is always looking forward to the hope. And, and that's part of the faith is that that hope will not disappoint. Yes. Um, that Jesus, uh, will, will, will show up. Um, but I think, uh, you, you, you use the Haggai, uh, example in building the temple, but I think I've heard someone say it too, uh, just dig the well, um, dig the wells, uh, the refreshing springs. And, and so dig the wells and then just trust that the refreshing springs uh, will come. And yeah. maybe uh, right now I'm verbally processing with you some of this, yeah. <laughs> but like, um, and, and maybe in the meantime, um, don't allow your feelings or your circumstances um, or the lies to be the measure of your intimacy. Um, yeah. That's maybe good. another part of faith is just trusting that God is, is there, you know, even in yeah. the, in that time. Um, that's good. because I, I've just found there are times where, where life, um, uh, I mean, it's, we're, we're coming into winter and I just don't typically in the winter when it's cloudier and, um, darker, I don't, I don't just in general feel as, uh, emotionally upbeat, but like, um, uh, th- those feelings don't have to own me, you know? Yeah. Um, but Anyways, it's good stuff. I hope um, just a couple things I, I want to highlight real quick that we've talked about, and then I have one more question for you. Yeah. Um, uh, kind of approaching our relationship with God with the mind of a child, uh, with an eagerness to learn. And I think by nature that also comes with an eagerness or, or with a humility. Um, uh, kids, uh, they don't know they're humble. It's just they don't know. Um, and and uh-huh. so uh, – I think sometimes what hinders our our rapid learning, as you talked about, is um, is when we think we've got it all. So I think yes. coming to God with a, a childlike um, heart involves a, a posture of humility. Um, one of the other big themes is doing new things with God. Um, well, I, I think intentionally. I think that's a big word. Is intentional, like intimacy needs to be this intentional thing we we seek to cultivate with God. Um, and then another big theme uh, was just coming against the lies about God or ourselves um, and seeing God's presence uh, as as being accessible in every moment. That's good. Um, that's good. If I were to sum up our conversation, that's what I would say we kind of talked about. Yeah. So... Um, uh, thank you so much for your time and just for this. Uh, this was encouraging uh, to me. If people wanted to find out more about your ministry or they wanted to connect with you, um, is there a place uh, that they that they could do that? How how could they find out more about uh, you or Forge or uh, you know, the ministry um, that you're involved in? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thanks, man. Um, yeah, you can just go to forgeforward.org. Um, that's our website, forgeforward.org. 
Um, and there's all kinds of amazing resources and people that, uh, you can, um, you can get connected with, uh, uh, I'm just on Facebook, Nicholas Hines, um, or you can email me Nicholas at forgeforward.org. Um, and, uh, would love to connect with you over email or Facebook, whatever that looks like. Um, uh, yeah. Um, really, really thankful for this opportunity, Anthony. It's been awesome chatting with you and, um, just, it's been awesome connecting, man. Yeah. Thank you. Um, thanks for listening and, uh, hope you will join us next time.